from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Studio C. All season, your dimly lit room, where deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound midweek. And today we're under the tutelage of our general manager, Volodymyr Zelensky and the brave Ukrainian people. Also, Barack Hussein Obama showing up to your wedding like a supermodel in a long flowing white dress and making you look like nobody. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Obama. When it's your day as the bride, you don't want like some super, super hot chick standing up next to you all the time. Plays. And she's wearing a veil and a big white dress. Holding flowers in her hands. Make sure the humiliation is complete. This is the way I dress. Oh, this is a little something I threw on. <laughs> Obama is a long-legged back daddy. That's right. We haven't heard, you know, haven't heard yeah. that in a while. Yeah, it's bears repeating. So I'm telling you, you've got to find yourself a computer or your phone or something. If you're listening to the podcast, pause it, get to your computer. you got to go to armstrongandgetty.com and watch the videos of Joe Biden milling around after Obama spoke yesterday at the little gathering, you've got to see these videos. It's, well, it's me at most social gatherings where I'm like uncomfortable and everybody's talking to somebody, but I don't have anybody to talk to. And so I kind of just stand in the middle of the room and turn around and the, usually I eventually just leave. But it's in this case, it's the freaking president of the United States, Joe you know, Biden. I, I'd like to see that video. I, I, I didn't have time. I was watching another video earlier of uh, visiting day at the old folks' home, and one poor fella didn't have anybody there to see him and just wandered about. It's actually not funny. It actually no. makes you feel bad. Yeah, it's both sad and disturbing. And it, it's the whole Obama thing. And because Obama is such a center of gravity and has been, you know, since he showed up on the scene. At the gathering, people are just loving getting close to Obama, and there's people talking with each other. And Joe Biden just kind of stands in the middle of the room and turns around a couple of times. And then there's another clip where he tries to get Obama's attention while everybody's fawning over him. And just he keeps, hey, Obama, and keeps putting his hand on his shoulder and just, oh. not, and Obama's paying no attention to him. And it's just sad. You've got to check out these videos. They're astonishing. Has a president of the United States, while they're in office, ever been in any room anywhere in the world where they're treated like that right there was no staffer there was no uh, hanger on excited to meet the president there was no congressperson nobody just wandered about alone i don't think well, usually he's a jackass i don't think usually you need somebody to like take care of you because you're the freaking president and everybody is trying to be next to you just to get a little of your shine on you but not in this setting Mm. Wow. Yeah. And he, it's pretty pathetic. It is. Right. It is. It's not good. It's not good. Like I said, it's not. I didn't find it funny. Um, geez, if that was my dad at a gathering, I'd be horrified. Uh, and and then you've got the, the weird aspect of Hanson and I were watching yesterday, actually live when, when Barack was speaking. And poor Joe Biden is has aged 10 years in the last since he got elected. He he didn't used to shuffle or stand there with his mouth half open with his shoulders hunched. Right. 
Right. Yeah, he's Whoa. just a very, very old man. And uh, you Barack, having a good time, for, Joe? Uh, for his two terms and then being off out of office for you know going on a term and a half, he's only sixty. Yeah, still considerably younger. And and yeah. and the contrast, like you were talking about the hot chick at the wedding, the contrast makes it that much worse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Barack seemed like a teenager next to Biden. Wow, wow. that is something. Um, nothing so, we didn't know already. <laughs> Check Tired out, old husk of a man, a phrase I've heard. Check out the videos at uh, armstrongandgetty.com. So we're spending another $100 million on those uh, Javelin anti-tank missiles that we're giving, uh, we're giving to Ukraine. That's good. Uh, I think why will be explained here in a second. Let's start the show officially. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on its Wednesday. Some people call it hump day. April 6th, the year... 2022, knew you in 22, we're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Let's begin that officially now, according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go at Mark. I do think this is a very protracted conflict, uh, and I think it's at least measured in years. I don't know about decade, but at least years for sure. Wait, whoa, whoa, wait, what? Uh, I heard a number of people call that the clip of the day yesterday. That was uh, General Milley, who's in charge of the uh, Joint Chiefs. He's the uh, the head military guy there, and uh, he was being asked about Ukraine, and he said, "Oh yeah, this is it's going to be measured in years. Maybe, maybe not a decade, because the whoever asked him the question had brought up a decade. Well, maybe, maybe not, not a decades. Decade. Maybe not decades. Right? Very right. good point. Yeah. And uh, but it is going to be years. Um, was anybody looking at this in terms of years? I know I wasn't." I know, and I feel a bit of a fool for not. I was just reading an analysis of the current inflationary climate and how likely it's uh, to continue and how much worse it might get. And they mentioned that, yeah, as soon as we're on the downside of the Ukraine invasion, that things should improve. And that came, you know, side by side with uh, hearing the words of General Milley. So, uh, whoops. And... Well, that helps explain why, for instance, uh, Ian Bremmer keeps saying that these sanctions aren't going away and uh, and Europe is getting off of the energy from Russia and it will never come back. Well, if this is going to last for years, yeah, you could see how that would be. Well, yeah, if you have the combination of the uh, the serious damage to food production um, that's uh, resultant from the invasion and you have the gigantic disruption in energy markets, that's going to take... You know, the conservative estimates I've heard are a solid five years to shake out. And, and that's probably optimistic. Uh, reconverting energy delivery systems to, to different parts of Germany. Their, their energy, uh, systems and supplies are so Russia and eastward oriented. They don't even have a way to move oil from like West Germany into the Western part of Germany into the former East Germany. It just, it never developed because the Soviet systems were there and they're still reliant on those really aging systems. And so to convert to Western energy coming into Germany, uh, years, years and, and unspeakable amounts of money. Uh, I just heard uh, a news story where the average price of a, of a chicken package of chicken in the grocery store has gone up a dollar in a week because of a variety wow. of things that are happening just in the chicken world. And it seems like every world you can think of, whether it's cars or chickens or wheat or whatever you want to talk about, there's some reason, specifically, while the price is exploding. And uh, how long can we continue on this trajectory and afford to buy anything? I don't know. You know, my dad just came to town. Uh, very good to see him. We're going to travel to the Masters together. And uh, as soon as he's out of the uh, the spare bedroom, chicken coop. 
Mm. Going to raise chickens in there. And in fact, you know, it's there's a fair amount of room and there's probably room for a hog. How do you're a farm guy? How mm. do hogs coexist with chickens? Oh, fine. We, you think the hog will just kind of root around and the chickens will chickens you know, and pigs will be defined together. Um work around them. When is the conversation uh start going is going to start being regular about, "Hey, when do I get a raise?" Uh, oh, 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 everywhere, all the time. I, I would yeah. think. And then I you mean, have an inflationary spiral. Because, um... You, you and then you don't have enough money to afford a ticket to see my new band, The Bedroom Hogs. <laughs> <laughs> and how disappointing is that? Because you can't... At the end of this year, when you realize that you're you're making 7 to 9% less than you did before... Likewise, your savings? Uh, right. Um, you're going to say, hey, uh, I just took a, like, dang near 10% pay cut. Um, it's transitory. It's transitory. Uh, nobody's saying that anymore. As soon as we're on the downside of the Russian invasion. They, they, they switched the messaging to Putin price hike because it's got two P's in it. Uh, Putin price hike. Um, so uh, I can't, I can't resist something with two P's in it. Doesn't Same matter sound that, in a couple of words. <laughs> doesn't matter that the inflation started before the invasion of Ukraine and was already at whatever it was, 8%, highest in 40 years. Doesn't matter that a lot of economists, including lefty economists like Larry Summers, were saying, hey, if you spew out trillions of dollars from the government spigot, we're going to get some crazy inflation. Doesn't matter that people said that. It's still the Putin price hike. It's because of the invasion, which might work. I don't know. That might work on people. Well, and the COVID played a role, too, unquestionably. Oh, sure. And, and so, you know, if, if you are only responsible for one leg of the three-legged stool of price inflation horror, you're sure going to talk about the other two all you can. On, on the other hand, sure be nice to visit a parallel universe where the government didn't inject trillions of dollars into markets uh, to see what would have happened. Yeah, no kidding. Trillions of dollars that, uh, in many cases, are unspent still. Right, but but not returned to the taxpayers or put back into the treasury like uh, for for urgent need. No, they're just they're waiting until the slush fund is uh, or until the uh, the powers that be identify who ought to get the slush fund money through some new phony context. Sorry, I'm very bitter, very bitter. I shouldn't be for a guy who's going to spend the next four days at the Masters golf tournament. Yeah, you shouldn't be very bitter. Well, I just I, I'm a, I'm a crusader for truth, for what is right, <laughs> and a golf fan. And a golf fan, sure. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very complicated. You would have loved this. Before we take a break, you would have loved this. Because <laughs> I have heard so many different places, uh, like watching cable news shows, stuff like that, radio shows. Oh, Tiger's playing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he wins. I'll bet he does. I'll bet he does <laughs> win. That, that conversation has been had so many times, and you're saying that's laughable? Well, I, I, maybe not laughable. I think it's extremely doubtful that he can hold together walking that, that ski resort of a golf course well, for four days. You said yesterday you'd bet money he doesn't make the cut. That's a long way from uh, winning the tournament. Yeah, well, you know, Freddie Couples, you quoted him yesterday, legendary golfer, played a nine-hole practice round with him and said he was playing great. He absolutely could contend. Oh, uh, and uh, Well, okay. All right. We'll see. Hmm. I just know that uh, Tiger, who's uh, perhaps the greatest of all time, no doubt, 
uh, is also, uh, he's like, uh, you know, the rings of Saturn, but with uh, Tiger, it's hype. Absolutely everything he does, every moment is surrounded by uh, media orgasms and clickbait and the rest of it. So I just, I'm wary. Speaking of orgasms, if I'm one of his competitors, I send a Perkins waitress to his hotel <laughs> oh, room. Oh, boy, that's, you see, that, you, you didn't have to do that. Just because uh, you not can your business. do something doesn't mean you should do it. How does mailbag look? He had a rough patch. They were on a break. Uh, a mailbag is fine. It's good. Solid. I don't. I don't think they were on a break. Um, uh, so mailbag on the way and a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, yeah. Uh, text line four one five two nine five KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Got some great stuff coming up, including, you know, that mass shooting in Sacramento, California, that's getting so much attention. The guy who it appears was wielding the machine gun had been let out of prison early by Governor Gavin Newsom's policies for emptying the prisons in the name of, I don't know, equity or something or other, in spite of the fact that prosecutors had dealt with, uh, who had dealt with this guy said over and over, he is a career criminal. We guarantee he will commit more crimes if you let him out. But he was let out nonetheless, and six people are dead as a result. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about that, among other things coming up. Here's your freedom, love, and quote of the day couple of them. Continuing our topic of war, Paul Valerie said this, War is a massacre of people who don't know each other for the profit of people who know each other but don't massacre each other. <sighs> and then George Washington. Perhaps you've heard of him. Perhaps your kid's school has told you that he's a bad guy. <laughs> they shouldn't learn about him. Uh, he said, to be prepared for war is one of the most effective means of preserving peace. Yeah. Well, yep. Plain spoken truth there. Yep. If, uh, well, we'll talk about it later. Right. Well, yeah, in short, be the country that everybody says, good Lord, I don't want to pick a fight with them. Mailbag. Hey. You can email us. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Weigh in with an opinion, an experience, a thought, something we ought to be uh, talking about. Send it along. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, Barry from Thailand, friend of Armstrong and Getty, uh, over uh, 10 years, maybe 20, I don't know. Hey guys, just curious, any examples of women born female transitioning to male and then competing in elite levels in track and field, swimming, etc. against males? Uh, no, there aren't, Barry, because they would not stand a chance. Because against biological males, they would be at an enormous disadvantage. It's important, though, to recognize that the reverse is not true. Not at all. You know, I despise the term gaslighting. It's overused and and a cliche at this point. But could there be a gassier light than that? (laughs) You being told the same thing that's so patently ridiculous that after a while you just think, I must be missing something. There must be something wrong with me. I don't know. No, it's them. It's not you. Uh, moving along, uh, Doug in beautiful Elk Grove, California, says, uh, Guys, uh, on the topic of the gentleman who pleasured himself four times on a Southwest flight. That seems uh, like plenty. 
Well, and it's just Seattle to uh, to to Phoenix. What is that? I mean, it's not like two it was hours coast flight. To coast. It might be two hours. Yeah. Good lord. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Southwest debater, as, uh, as Doug describes him, would unnecessarily Doug. The Southwest debater. Perhaps stop yeah. by the bookstore in the airport and grab yourself a novel or something else to do. <laughs> really? Something really a, anything. Something that's not a crime that has you wearing a, a bracelet and you're not allowed to go near schools. Have you noticed there's a solitaire game on your phone? Uh, obviously, you enjoy solitaire. Uh, Have you heard of Wordle? Yes, yes. Anyway, Doug writes, I heard that Jeffrey Tubin's going to represent that guy who was <laughs> flying solo in the Mile High Club. Uh, Tubin will get his uh, lifetime ban from Southwest rescinded by using his own precedent of being back on the air at CNN. Hey, I got away with it. Why shouldn't he? Tubin allegedly stated. <laughs> <laughs> flying solo in the Mile High Club. Is that a thing? I'm part of the Mile High Club. Solo. The solo division. Well, that's, that, that's not cool or sexy. That makes you a criminal. <laughs> yes. Doug, thank you for the note, though. Uh, you, on the topic of Ukraine, uh, Brian from, from Santa Rosa writes, Hey, uh, Jack and Joe, maybe it's time to reconsider the taking the nukes away from the Ukraine. Maybe we just tell them, hey, we stored them for you for a long time, but it's really not convenient anymore, so you can have them back. That'd be something to say. You know, we had a contract. We overlooked something. We read the fine print. We were supposed to hear are your nukes back. We're sorry. Yeah, our warehouses are very crowded, so here they are. Wow. Yeah, well, that would probably get us another step or ten closer to nuclear holocaust, but, uh, well. Which is worth avoiding. If you miss an hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show, grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In anticipation of legal marijuana being available later this year, New York Governor Kathy Hochul yesterday unveiled the state's Cannabis Conversations campaign, which I'm guessing is that thing where the edible kicks in and you end up debating your cat. (laughs) I think you're hard to be around. Oh, I, I did not approve of the, the, the casual drug reference, but the punchline was pretty funny. So our friend Tim Sanford, Tim the Lawyer, got into it a little bit on Twitter with uh, Hannah Jones, the writer of the 1619 Project. We can tell you about that coming up. Oh, I would pay what people pay for Eagles tickets to sit in the front row of that argument. Oh, if, uh, I'd like to see them debate. Yeah. She, has, she doesn't have the courage of her convictions to actually debate anybody. Uh, on her book that they are teaching in your school. <laughs> the 1619 Project. Yeah. 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 Anyway, more on that later. Beautiful. So uh, a couple of uh, hardcore economic facts and figures for you here. I don't know if you've heard about the inflation. Hmm. Oh, God dang it. I It's starting to scare me. It's starting to scare me. I'm frightened. I'm well, frightened. yeah. No. Uh, and, and you know us, we're not clickbaity and we're not here to terrify you, but it's worth uh, contemplating a couple of things. Uh, this is a report from CNBC, which was at least originally a business uh, network. Is it not anymore? I don't ever tune to it. Uh, well, I, I'm beginning to wonder, having read a couple of things in this report, but I'll get to that in a moment. They mentioned that the consumer price index jumped almost 8% in February on uh, an annualized rate. 
Uh, everything's going up. Uh, 48% of Americans in a recent CNBC poll said they think about rising prices all the time. Yeah, I, I do. Pretty much all the time. You know, it's a weird thing with inflation. I feel like if you came to people, like if you, if you sent out an email to everybody at your job, where you work, with um, the exact numbers, this is what you make per year, this is what you're going to make now, and you, and you lowered it by 8%. We're giving mm-hmm. you an 8% pay cut. People would go nuts. Oh, yeah. But the yeah. exact same thing happening, exactly the same result. With 8% inflation, people, some people notice and kind of worry, and some people don't even care or notice or whatever. And I don't get why, but... You know, or put another way, can you imagine, and let's assume, let's be fair, let's assume there was going to be something around 1.5% inflation, even 2%. Sure. Which is, you know, what the Fed generally goes for, for reasons we won't bore you with. But um, if you were to announce Donald Trump just signed a law confiscating 6% of your money this year, everybody, the rich, the poor, everybody, there would be a revolution in the streets. And uh, I believe uh, government policy has gotten us to where we are, but again, more on that in a moment. Uh, inflation is costing the average U.S. household an additional $300 per month, according to Moody's Analytics. And that is some serious money if you are a young family, you're living paycheck to paycheck or whatever. That's painful. Uh, people are uh, adjusting their expenditures and their lifestyles. Uh, biggest area people have cut back on is dining out. 53% say they've cut back on it. Uh, people are driving less, canceling monthly subscriptions, you know, among other things. I have uh, I have on the, the whole eating out thing, <clears throat> my son loves pizza, and we get pizza more often than we should. And It was the first time, I think, ever the other day that I thought, nah, another $30 pizza? No, nah, not doing it. Not doing it. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, 61% of Americans disapprove of the way President Joe Biden is handling inflation. Uh, and then, uh, da, da, well, that's not that interesting. But when will inflation slow, they ask in the CNBC article. And their lead sentence is, inflation was brought on by the pandemic, which scrambled supply chains and labor markets, and worsened by the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which impacted gas and food prices. According to the expert they interviewed. Of course, uh, Some supply chain stuff was going to happen no matter what with the COVID, but a lot of it was things that shut down that we now know didn't need to shut down. Yeah, that's absolutely true. It's funny. I wasn't going to make that point, but it's a it's a good one. It was not the COVID. It was government response to the COVID. And and secondly, they don't even tip their cap. They don't even glance and give the little how you doing wave to pumping trillions of dollars of borrowed government money into markets. That's that's an obscene, you know, oversight omission from the article. If you're holding a garage sale and somebody stands outside your garage sale and hands everybody who walks up a hundred dollar bill to spend, you're going to see prices skyrocket. That's the way markets work. And you handed out all that money and people were sitting around their houses thinking what they could spend it on. You got inflation. And then the, this expert they interview say, we've got a bad couple of months ahead. He predicts inflation will peak around May, and by this time uh, next year it'll be a lot lower uh, because, number one, we'll be on the other side of the uh, Russia-Ukraine situation, which General Mark Milley just said is going to be years, maybe not decades, but years. I hope this person is right, but I doubt it. Yeah, I, I hope I am completely wrong in, in my tone. I hope he's right. No. Yeah, where do I sign up for him being right? 
Yeah, here, here. And then one more kind of uh, dollars and centsy uh, bit of perspective. What was the percentage of people that worry about inflation all the time? 48%. So half of people worry about inflation all the time. I would say the other half, you're like, not with it. You're well, not. no, I, uh, I would, uh, I should have dug back into the original source and grabbed the numbers for people who are uh, worried most of the time, or yeah. a lot of the time. I, I have a feeling it adds up to ninety three percent. Yeah, well, it slaps you in the face every single thing you buy every day. It's just stunning. This costs what? My grocery bill is what? And then, speaking of things that are expensive, oil, gas, etc. According to the Wall Street Journal, Biden administration officials are seeking ways to boost oil imports from Canada. Uh, people with uh, familiar with the situation say, but with one big caveat, they don't want to resurrect the. Ooh, ooh, this one's scary, folks. The Keystone XL pipeline. Ah! Sure effectively... the pressure effectively killed on his first day in office. Canada has loads of oil. Loads of it. We don't have a way to get it here. We we have trucking and rail, which is dangerous and expensive and burns fossil fuels. We have existing pipelines, but they're at capacity. The Keystone XL pipeline, which already exists, by the way, from Nebraska to the fuel terminals in New Orleans, it's already finished. They just have to finish a bit of it from Canada to Nebraska. It's ready to free us up from Russian oil, get our production going again, get our consumption uh, off of uh, you know unholy oil from unholy regimes, and, and move faster toward... Uh, getting Europe independent to Russian oil and, and independent from Russian oil, but uh, no, the, the, because it's such this this idiotic shibboleth is the fancy word. Boogeyman is a better one uh, for the left. They don't dare. Right. God, it's so stupid. It really I'm wearing is. my Armstrong and Getty never-ending parade of stupid T-shirt right now. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That is um, that is one of the great poorly reported stories of the last decade. Uh, speaking of Barack Obama and, um, cause it goes back that far in, in, in which all kinds of different environmental tests that it would pass, you know, they'd hold out, well, we'll see what the environmental tests show. And then the environmental test would be, it'll be fine. We think it'll be fine. Doesn't matter. We're still not going to do it. Just like you said, to hold off the Twitter left. Right. Exactly. And, you know, we've made the point before, so I'll make this a very brief version of it, but not completing the pipeline necessitates, A, what I said before, moving that same oil eventually to the same place, but way more expensively and with way more impact to the environment, and and B, purchasing oil from horrific regimes who couldn't give a single poop about the environment. Not a poop. It is so ridiculous, hypocritical, counterproductive, idiotic. It's hard to believe it exists, and yet it does. So one good thing that I'm hoping comes out of the war between Russia and Ukraine and all the fallout, one good thing is I hope that uh, the younger crowd that has been convinced that America is a force of evil in the world and Western civilization in general um, is going to uh, get a dose of reality about China and Russia and uh, these horrible countries. I uh, got a good example of what it's like to be a protester in Russia coming up for you from the Wall Street Journal, among other things. It's, uh, man, there's some ugly people out there in the world. 
Do they put plastic handcuffs on you and release you an hour later, like in horrible Portland or brutal Seattle? Or you're bailed out by some Democratic senator? (laughs) Or Kamala Harris. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, anyway, a lot of stuff on the way. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Today, the U.S. Air Force announced it quietly tested a hypersonic cruise missile in mid-March. The hypersonic air-breathing weapon concept was launched from a carrier aircraft, flew 300 nautical miles, and reached Mach 5 at 65,000 feet. It was the second test of a hypersonic weapon since last September. Well, good. We need them because Russia has them and China has them. Uh, hypersonic missiles that really changed the entire game of uh, nuclear war, as the the nuke can hit your town before you even know it was launched, and uh, didn't used to be that way like even a year ago. But anyway, we'll talk more about that later. Also, uh, talk more later. We're going to be talking about Ukraine, obviously, off and on throughout the show, but as CNN is doing... S- such great work on the whole uh, Ukraine story. And I was watching Jake Tapper yesterday, and he and Clarissa Ward were visibly shaken by the videos and things that they have been seeing around there. And she has, she was in Syria. She's, she's been all over the world and seen all kinds of things. And they were clear. And she said, and this, this got my attention, she said, my sense is we haven't seen anything yet. When, when journalists start uh. to get into Mariupol, we're going to see things. She said, I'm hearing stories about what has been going on there. We're, we're going to see a whole nother level of I can't even imagine what that is, and I don't want to imagine what that is. But she said, we're on the very front end of the horrors that the world is about to see on videos. Yeah, <sighs> speaking for myself, I'm already sickened and outraged. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm willing to hear what's actually happening. Just a quick media note. It is striking the extent to which the departure of Jeff Zucker has changed CNN. Interesting. Uh, coincident with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, Ukraine. They are, to a large extent, not completely, but to a large extent, back to being a serious news organization and not an absolutely idiotic, mewling, liberal mouthpiece. Wall Street Journal, how Russia silenced its anti-war movement, focusing on Alexander Teplikov, who wanted to speak out against the war in Ukraine, but feared landing in prison if he took part in a public protest. So the Russian activist designed an anti-war sticker featuring Russian and Ukrainian flags and the phrase, no to war. That's not, that's, that's not exactly like, you know, calling Putin names or something. No to war. That is your stance? Well, anyway, he posted and distributed thousands of the uh, stickers around Moscow. He did get in trouble. Russian police hauled the 23-year-old into the district police station in March. Uh, The Wall Street Journal has obtained copies of his arrest record and uh, heard from the young man who was taken to the police station. He was repeatedly beaten over the head by one officer while in custody. A second officer pressed a pistol to his leg and coerced him in divulging the name of a fellow activist who made a who made a sticker that said no to war. You yeah. can't even. That's, he started screaming at me to start writing, so I uh, I signed the paper. We will kill you right now," said the police officer. Spent ten days in jails, continuing to be beaten for having a sticker that said no to war. Boy, could anything be more kind of 
generic. No kidding. And, and, and uh, you know, I'm I'm against. Uh, I mean, you could even claim, and this is sickening, but I'm against the uh, the Nazis uh, in Ukraine making war against uh, the nice people. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. So, like I said, one of the good things that might come out of this horrible, 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 horrible conflict is that much of the young people in these first world Western civilization nations that have been convinced that we're the bad guys might decide, oh, I see what bad guys actually look like. And uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, as you know, is one of the leading lights of we're the bad guys in the world. The United States formed around slavery, white supremacist country, etc., etc. She wrote the 1619 Project, which has been totally torn apart by academics of every political stripe. Yeah, she wrote the introduction like an essay and edited it and stuff like that. And uh, she... To clarify. And the book is in uh, a lot of your schools. Anyway, she tweets a lot. And Tim Tim Sandifer got into an actual back and forth with her. One way you can tell Hannah Jones is a quack. She's got plenty of time to argue that tipping in restaurants is a legacy of slavery. We talked about that tweet from a couple of weeks ago. A tweet that she has now deleted, by the way. (laughs) But won't answer a simple question about her own previously expressed views. Resorts to childish ad homonyms instead. And, uh... Tim Sandifer uh, screen captured the back and forth. So Tim tweeted out, I'm curious to know if you stand by your previously expressed, then deleted wish that people would be inspired by your work to engage in rioting. It's one of the things she famously tweeted out. She responded to Tim Sandifer, Tim the lawyer, as I'm curious as to whether you consider yourself a serious person. Tim Sandifer's response was, is that a yes or a no? (laughs) (laughs) But she regularly... Tweets out crazy things and then deletes them, but continues to be like a leading light of the left and gets on cable news shows and cited all the time and retweeted all the time. She said makes these strong statements and then deletes them and doesn't doesn't attempt to, you know, argue her point at all. Well, what's at the core of this is is the revolution, of course, tearing down Western society and rebuilding it into this uh, critical theory Marxist utopia. So whether you're a crackpot or not doesn't matter. It's just whether you're down with the revolution. Are you spouting the party line as in, you know, the, the old party, the Communist Party? Um, that's the only question. That's the only litmus test. Well, do you think my, my premise is going to come to anything? Just the premise that. We're going to have a, a new generation of people that get a good, clear view of who, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys in the world? I think this will help. I, I, I think your premise is a good one. I don't know to what extent it can. If you get kids starting in kindergarten or, you know, if the left gets their way in, in government uh, preschools, uh, which they call pre-K, um, if you get kids that early and indoctrinate them that hard, it's going to be difficult to break through. This will have a positive effect, sickeningly, uh, but who knows how positive? I don't. I don't know, you know, and there's a percentage of voices on the right also that are into the whole uh, trying to, well, Ukraine does bad things too argument. 
what is your deal? What is your concern? Is it just make you feel like you're smarter than other people? Or you just, you like being contrary? Is that it? You like being contrary? It's clear who the aggressor is that started this war. And who is the presence on the planet that could start nuclear war? And that's Russia. And if they, if they pulled out today, the war would be over. Well, you know how I am with the critical race theory and, and queer theory and the, the, uh, the, the extremist uh, woke movement. You know how I am. Well, there are people who are who react to it differently, and they think that now is the time for the serious crackdown. If you want to call them fascists, and I don't throw the term around like Antifa does. I'm talking about in in the uh, in the historical context of if you believe your uh, culture is under such threat that it's an existential thing, then you are justified in doing just about anything. You are justified in jailing people, beating them, taking away their rights, uh, that sort of thing. And uh, Vladimir Putin passes himself off as this crusader against the extreme left. And a lot of people in the Western world bought that. And he's, he's ganged up with the Russian Orthodox Church to promote that narrative. And there's a certain element of the American right that uh, that appeals to. And, and they have ignored or are trying to ignore the horrors of this kleptomaniac torturing murderer because they like his uh, they like his PR campaign. And you can watch the piles of burned bodies in the street and the people with the hands behind their back who've been beaten and shot and stuff all that. And it still justifies your view of that. I guess or... I, I think they're starting to shuffle their feet and look down and say, well, you know, it does some bad things. I don't know. I think their resolve is weakening. We got to talk more about that video that's out of Joe Biden lost at the the, the get together with Obama yesterday. If you haven't seen Oof. that, we've got it at armstrongandgetty.com where you can also get any hour of the podcast. Armstrong and Getty.